Gabe, good to see you, brother. Hey, what's going on, Kay? What's, what's good? It's a happy Friday. I got the day off and, uh, you know, just uh, doing my thing and getting stuff ready for the weekend and all that kind of stuff. Where are you at right now? Uh, I'm still in Toronto. Still in Toronto. I just, I moved, I moved about like, a, I don't know, three weeks ago. So oh, yeah. I'm in my, uh, my new, my new spot and you're, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, I think I'm, I'm the, one of the first guests in this new apartment. Uh, I mean, one of, I guess one of the, uh, this is my first time as a guest on someone else's podcast in this new apartment. Yeah, <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I, I that came just, out weird. I, I smoked a little bit of weed earlier today, like uh, like way earlier than I normally do, and uh, now it's starting to be like, oh yeah, it's true, you're stoned. Don't forget, but it's okay. Okay, <laughs> it's we're funny. good. We're good. It, it's Friday. See, about seven thirty this morning, I woke up, went outside, had a coffee. I went for a little walk down to the lake, you know, smoked yeah. a spliff. Then I come home and like after I smoked spliff on a day off, man, I always work out. So first thing it's I do good, is man. I get it's a great bit to high work out. Work out yeah, yeah, yeah. T- today's my day off, but yeah, I work out. I, mean, I actually this week I worked out all week. Uh, I worked out every day. Uh, try to keep as physical as physical as possible, man. I have a really bad back condition, and like uh, one of the main things that makes anything tolerable is uh, at least five, like four to five days of exercise, including yoga and a lot of like squats and back extensions, just to kind of like like strengthen the rest of my body. Aside because my back is so garbage, but. Uh, yeah, man, I hear you, dude. And I'll, I'll often, especially if it's like towards the end of the day, I'll like smoke a little bit of weed and I'll work out and I'll, I'll do yoga and it feels fantastic. It makes so yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. It's funny. not that I'm saying everybody should be smoking weed or anything, but you should yeah. be smoking weed. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, I only smoke a bit of weed before I work out, you know, and everybody's saying like, you're crazy, man. The other day, like I smoked some weed. I went out for a 45 minute jog, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it does. It's great. I, I don't, I, I mean, look, it, Weed is not for everyone. For me, weed calms me down. It does the quite opposite from a lot of people are scared of everyone, scared to get it. They're going to get paranoid and get anxious and look around and think. I don't have those any of those issues when I get high. Like, I literally, I just want to relax and, like, watch movies about aliens and, like, uh, eat, eat pears. I don't know. Like, I just don't, like, I, it's, so, it's so bizarre. But, yeah, if you take it in stride like me where it's a bit more of, like, a relaxing, calming thing, then, yeah, totally. Work out, do whatever. It's, it's great. But, if yeah, if you're a paranoid, anxious person and then smoking pot – amplifies that i don't think doing burpees and uh, downward dogs is your thing to be honest so keep that over your itinerary when it comes to that it's like there's so many variables like every person is different but also every weed is different you know oh dude no it, especially yeah well it, but that's one of the fun things with all this like you know the opening up of the sqdc's here in quebec and yeah. uh, the marijuana stores and stuff like that it's just like having access to so much variety and being able to taste test to find out what works for you and yeah. what doesn't and uh, my buddy Ephraim from uh, Voodoo Glow Skulls and Death yeah, by yeah. Stereo, he was telling me that uh, he was doing a podcast with uh, Tommy Chong. And he said, Yeah, with one Ben great... Rispin. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And the Into the Weeds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he said one of the uh, favorite quotes was, The coolest thing about weed is you don't have to smoke it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, ultimately, if it's such a thing, then don't, don't fucking do it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, when you do yoga, like, have you ever went to a class like out or do you do it at home? I do it at home. Okay. I never went to a class. Now, okay. P- Patty from Brutal Youth and Dragged In. Yeah. On last pa- episode. Yeah, exactly. Patty, I don't know, three three years ago, maybe he had like, or four years ago, he had surgery on his leg or something like that. He had a surgery and uh, he was obviously, uh, you know, he was like bedridden for a bit and then naturally had to go through some physio or do some kind of like therapy to kind of get back into the groove. And uh, sorry, my cat's making a little bit of a cameo, but um, yeah. But, uh, yeah my uh patty was telling me he's like one of the things that helped him out tremendously was the ddp yoga diamond dallas page do you remember that wrestler like wcw yeah. wrestler 
Diamond guy, that guy like the, what's his name? Uh, the slick uh, haired guy there. Um, there's like a whole documentary on how he was a total alcoholic. Oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, David or Rick, Rick Rude or something like that. No, Rick not Rude. That oh. Oh, no, it was another guy. It wasn't him. It was a guy with the toothpick in his mouth. Oh, Razor Ramon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. There's a whole documentary about how Razor Ramon was in really, really bad shape. And yeah. this other dude, uh, Diamond Dallas there, yeah. came in and kind of grouped him up, got him into some rehab and physical things and basically yeah. saved his life, you know? Yeah, dude, his yoga bad. videos are great. That's that's what Patty recommended. He's like, if you haven't tried the DDP, you should give it a shot. So I found that a on torrent. YouTube? Maybe now it's on YouTube, but at the time, I, I couldn't find it on YouTube. I only found like trailers for the DVD series. So I found a torrent and there was one video for like called Below the Belt, which kind of focuses more on your lower back, which is what I needed help on tremendously. So that worked out a lot. So I'll do it. At, I would watch it on my TV. I would watch it at home. And then I slowly start to memorize it or memorize, like memorize certain poses and stretches and whatever. And I just, and I apply that to my workout. So it helps out. Yeah. I do it at home. I mean, uh, I haven't yeah, gone no, to a class fantastic. though. I, I've never went to a class either, but I, I do the, uh, on YouTube, the uh, yoga with Adrian okay. and, and uh, she's this cool chick, you know, and uh, it, it's really kind of basic. It doesn't get too much into the fantasy land of it. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, I, but I, it really does help because like I had a shoulder injury and uh, what actually helped that the most was working out, like saying, working on other muscles and stuff. I started um, about two years ago, I guess I started doing the kettlebell workouts at, at home. Oh, all nice. time. Since then, I never had a shoulder problem again. Yeah, you're and it was crazy. Out your I was getting yeah. shot out like uh, up with the uh, cortisone and everything every. Uh, oh, know, really? Once in a while, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, when it was at its worst, I couldn't even touch the top of my head, like wash my hair. Really? Well, it's a good thing yeah, you yeah. have tons of hair because uh, it would have been a disaster. It'd yeah, man, I just shaved it all the other day. Hair. Actually, uh, oh, wow. Frank, Frankie's girlfriend Uzay uh, uh, shaved my hair in the park. The other day, but... <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> makes life a lot easier. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I've You're preaching to the choir over here. I haven't had hair in like a decade. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I do. I, I hear you. It's uh, yeah, it's a practical thing. It's really interesting because like I don't know. It was uh, I don't say necessarily taboo, but it was it wasn't. And I grew up in the North Shore and like the, growing up as like a teenager or whatever, there was no yoga studios. It wasn't a thing. It, people did it, but it was more like a hippie thing. It was very new age, you know, yeah, it was exactly. Like, kind of was like almost like a uh, like a yup like a yuppie wannabe hippie thing to do. In oh, the for city. sure. But now I'm sure. I mean, I haven't been to where I like I haven't been to the North Shore like in a, in a while. But like I, I could probably assume just because like most of Montreal and Laval has like they have a ton of yoga yoga studios there. like it's a part of the narrative now like the idea that it's really beneficial for you physically and even mentally disregarding yeah. if you're from india or you know you're a yogi or whatever like it's actually beneficial because before that's it was just like hippies and like like the you know in, in indians or whatever maybe you know and now it's like literally it's a it's a broad span of thing which oh yeah there, know, there's get, studios everywhere now get studios and like it gets kind of whitewashed i'm assuming there's probably some like elitists that are like yeah fuck that but at the same time you know if more people are getting into yoga and just trying to stay healthier and try to maintain some stability in terms of health and fuck why not man well that's it like uh yeah. during this whole like uh, especially a bit before when we, uh my life was a little more locked down during the uh the pandemic here you yeah. know we, we were not doing that many hours at work I had a lot of spare time in my hands and you know sure. we couldn't really leave the house too much but I mean, it's funny, I guess I did kind of the cliche of, you know, got deeper into cooking, got more into home workouts, uh, played yeah. a ton of music, wrote a True. ton of songs and, nice. you know, all these little personal projects, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, that's the one interesting thing about this whole pandemic. I think a lot of people kind of rediscovered parts of their lives, you know? Oh, dude, 100%. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up because um, 
I got back into skateboarding like hard. Now I've always skated. I love skateboarding. I would say it was a big part of my life, probably since like maybe 12, 13 years old. I love skateboarding. And then slowly as my back condition started to get worse and worse, I, I would still go skating, but it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same kind of session. It would take forever for me to warm up. And I was so restricted. I got lazy. Like I got, I just got lazy in my skating. So uh, nothing was good. And I was always disappointed in myself. So at the beginning of the lockdown, cause I was already October, 2018, I told myself, I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym three to five times a week. I'm going to sign because I want to be stronger. I want to be better. So that maybe next summer I could be like, I, I could start skating. Like I did seven, eight, seven years ago or eight years ago before I moved to Toronto kind of thing. <laughs> and it kind of took some time, but 2020, it was when like, when we were on lockdown where it's like, you could only leave your house to go to the grocery store or whatever. Exactly. I would yeah. go my back alley and just relearn tricks, spend days uh, relearning tricks. Like, I can't really go to a skate park. None of them are open. I can't really do anything. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even, I can't even do work like at all. There was like, it's literally, and, and, and like, I mean, I did some other stuff. I'll practice bass here and there, practice singing or pra I got into scratch DJing. I have like a portable scratch turntable. <laughs> it's so cool. Dude. It's a new mark portable scratch. Turntable. It was like, I'm practicing different things with skateboarding was something physical and something that I loved so much. So it was like kind of killing two birds with one stone. And then it slowly started to like, everything started to connect. And now it's like, yeah, I'm skating better than ever. I'm learning tricks. I'm doing new combos. I never tried ever before. And it's like, and it's at the same time, that energy is kind of getting me stoked on potential like whenever we could start jamming again because in toronto we're back on another 28 days most of the rehearsal the, factories the big news today is they just announced they're probably going to lock down the border again at quebec ontario and manitoba and stuff like yeah, that but, uh, it's wild right i don't know what the hell's going on so but i mean yeah skate that's one thing definitely like uh i agree with you is that this pandemic obviously like fucked up a lot of things and kind of you know caused a lot of anxiety for people and business yeah. owners and etc but you know uh, if they're going to look at one positive, yeah. Like you, you're like, you're cooking all, you were cooking all kinds and play, writing tons of songs. I'm assuming some of the songs you might be working on this weekend or new stuff that you wrote during well, the that, pandemic. That's it. We're, we're hitting you know, the like, uh, studio this weekend. And, uh, but it's kind of weird because for the first time ever making an album, it's like, we haven't been able to jam much, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it's more of a case where like, I would write a song pretty much, you know, get the whole skeleton of it done alone and then kind of bring it to the band, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and then try, try you know, really quickly. I mean, we wrote the 13th song last week and we're hitting the studio this week, you know what nice. I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's been a real challenge just to get through that whole process, you so know? So do you jam and, earlier? Is you just have like earlier jam times in order well, to Well, that's it. We started eight, rehearsing uh, maybe six weeks ago. Okay. Uh, again, you know what I mean? So it, it's just like, I've never went into you know, the studio getting ready to do a record where we haven't been as prepared as I normally am, which has some positives to it as well, you know? Yeah. It's a bit more of an open slate this time around. But uh, no, no it, it's definitely challenging. And speaking of challenges, like during all this, you know, I, I think probably one of the hardest hit industries is anything to do with the music industry, the oh, showbiz dude, industry. The fucking worst. Performance arts in a general sense, because stand-up too, exactly. stand-up took a big hit. Yeah, dude, uh, pretty wild. And uh Man, and that's where know. you have all your hands, right? Exactly. That's the <laughs> that's the thing that like I would have discussions with certain people, and it's like uh, that are comics or whatever, and they're frustrated that there isn't as much stand-up comedy going around, uh, going on, and uh, or whatever. And and uh, I, I, I would tell them because like I agree with them. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but it's like, but imagine if everything else in your life also. Because let alone booking a club and working freelance with bands and, you know, booking small tours with whatever. I also play as a musician. I also find solace in playing bass, singing on stage, as well as being a stand-up comic, too. So it's like literally every aspect of my life, you know, front to back, it was 
it had the rug pulled under from it, right? So because yeah. there was a period last year during the summer where there was like outdoor comedy shows and some patios were having comedy, which was great. That helped a lot. But there's still no shows for bands, realistically. I would jam here and there, but it wasn't the same. I don't know. Like, there's only so much you could do of that. Like, you need to kind of have success. Also, like, that's why. But The thing that really stood out for me, it's like, yeah. a, you know, when you hear these older fucking government assholes talking and shit like this. Well, it really highlight how little respect they have for, for the, the arts. performing arts oh, like for yeah. instance they opened up churches to 250 people but you couldn't yeah. do a show that, in front of in 25 a, people you know in, in quebec right like in montreal wasn't that a thing yeah, yeah. now they cut it down uh, again they but cut still, it back like, down yeah <laughs> it, it just shows like you know they put everything else you know whether it's schools whether it's churches whether it's workplaces yeah but performing arts was totally out the door you know they even opened up gyms for a while didn't really go well but they yeah opened yeah, those, yeah i heard about that up. yeah you know and uh you know bars as well they're all closed but like it just showed how little respect they had for yeah. that whole part of life which you know it's all my friends man it's all your friends oh you yeah know? dude absolutely absolutely 100 percent. and it's like because I, I got a job in film recently because the film industry here in Southern Ontario is, is booming like crazy. So I, I need to make a living and I found something that is able to accommodate what I do in the music industry mm-hmm. uh, at, at a moderate, like, I don't know, full-time capacity with, you know, roughly full-time hours in film as well. So I was able to kind of make it work and bounce it out. And uh, the film industry uh, got away with it somehow. Not a negative yeah. way. They test. This is the thing. I, I feel like if the music industry was to be as militant as the film industry, which is not the case because it's not nearly as much money, then yeah. it would be a thing. Because in the film industry, most people, like from the position I have, I get tested once a week. Okay. But if you do makeup, your grip, lighting, boom operator, blah, 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 camera, you're getting tested every day, if not every other day. Wow. Right? So I didn't know they that. have, yeah, dude, they have on staff like nurses and, you know, people from clinics coming to test everyone, this and that. So, and it's constant and they're very, very vigilant. Like um, I can't really say what show I'm on. I signed an NDA, but I just worked on a mm-hmm. show and it was a part of CBS. Right. Right. And uh, like CBS, uh, can- CBS studios, Canada, I guess, whatever. And there was a, there was like a COVID training. The COVID training is basically everything that we kind of already know, but either way they have to make it happen. Cause they have to be so vigilant and so militant about making sure that all staff knows it's good because anything could be a liability. If one person's fucked, one person fucks up and contracts COVID and comes to work where there's like 200 people on set and shakes a hand and says, you know, the bar lends a lighter, whatever. And then next, you know, if eight people get, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I don't know if necessarily Canada does a great job at contact tracing. But, I don't know either, but I, I just had a funny thought in my my head, you know, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, being tested and all, you know, vaccines. Actually, that's the one good thing. I mean, at this point, all we need really is to get vaccines. these vaccines get the vaccine. rolled out. Get more Nothing lockdowns. else is going to work. You know? No, but it's funny, you know, all these people that are like, yeah. man, I don't know what's in there. You know, I can't be doing this. You know, the vaccine's bullshit and all this. These are probably the same people sharing key bumps of cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, 100%. 100%, man. No problem. No problem. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, yeah. I mean, people that were, like, getting all loud about that, that's, I mean, whatever. It's, it let, you, it, it let them talk. You don't have to listen. It's, it's kind of wild. Because, yeah. like, the vaccine's... The vaccines right now might be the only remedy to any of these solutions, realistically. And, and I think the remedy I, to their freedom as well, right? Well, exactly for everyone, because I don't think these lockdowns help. I think for the most part, everyone could everyone could like concur. That's pretty evident that these lockdowns aren't as beneficial as they yeah. think they are. So at that, with that being said, it's like, okay, 
why don't you just expedite the shit of these fucking vaccines? Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I really, that's the thing. Everyone's so like left in the dark. And then people that work in industry like ourselves as performers and people that work in industry, it's like, how are you supposed to gauge, how are you supposed to really gauge anything? And yeah. you're right, dude. It's wild. They made a post saying like all the, there was like a random, like, I don't know, like uh, artwork, like some like artworks of, of like uh, the government made of like, not even artwork, like a post saying that uh, all the essential jobs, Mm-hmm. And essential jobs, and and uh, and then the the most like the least essential jobs, and like the row beside, an artist was one of them. But then it, within this, this person made it a meme, and then at the bottom they wrote, "An artist made this thing. An artist colored all these things." Like it was, you know what I mean? Like it was just like in order to create this thing to chart to show it's essential, you have to have a graphic designer, yeah. an illustrator to create this ah. thing. So you need art to make a thing saying that art is not important, which is <laughs> yeah, exactly. super cheeky. But yeah, dude, it was wild. I mean, th- that's where it's like. I almost, I don't agree with wild, va- like anti-vax, anti-mask people. Like that shit gets kind of like, that shit gets really hairy. But sometimes like, I could almost completely understand their frustration and like yeah. why they don't want to believe in all these things. Because it seems so like, seems so far-fetched and out of left field. Well, know? there's like, so many levels of this frustration as well, you know. Yeah, I yeah. think that, that, that's part of the problem. I mean, because the measures in a lot of cases, I don't, I'm not following Ontario as much as yeah. I am Montreal or Quebec for that matter. Um, but like, just it, it's crazy because here they are, they've imposed an eight o'clock curfew yeah. and summer has started. I've noticed people's a level of being frustration, just skyrocketing oh, yeah, totally. in the last uh, two weeks. But the thing that, that, that I find absolutely crazy is that people forget that the rate of transmission is 0.0 something. And when you're outdoors, right. But yeah. here they are that, you know, the schools are open, so kids are passed around, goes to their parents, goes to the families and all this. Then workplaces, you know, is obviously uh, problematic as well. Yeah. But out- outdoors is actually the safest place. And now they have this yeah. curfew uh, going on. And they're like, you know, I think maybe in the first six months, people were handling it okay. You know, eight, ten months, we're surviving. But now I've noticed the difference. Oh, like, dude, it just in, in people, it's like yeah. the duration is just really getting to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell, like, the people that were, like, very, very on board with, like, not necessarily lockdown, but on board with the procedure in order to battle this yeah. virus, uh, that were very, like, like, a little bit more progressive and left-leaning, are mm-hmm. still, obviously, still very much, like, progressive and left-leaning. But they have different opinions or different like judgments on like how they feel about COVID lockdown quarantine, whatever now. And right. I, I would be, I would be very much guilty of that too. Like, like, oh, absolutely. Uh, Cause it's like, yeah, the last little while Ontario was kind of getting weird and uh, yeah, it was just hard. It's like, you don't want to like, like you don't want to agree or like, uh, like, you know, or say yes to what these conspiracy Anti, like you know what I mean, like these real like QAnon kind of cats. <laughs> yeah. I even have family in the U.S. that was like super on board with QAnon, and they're like, "Oh, we're getting screwed over." It's like, ugh. But at the same time, you hear, you see some wild shit, and it's like, oh man, I don't blame them for thinking that that is what's actually going on because how else could you think that it's not? You know what I mean? Like, well, well, that's it. And as it's going on, it's just the measures that they keep. Like, I don't know about you guys, but here they're flip flopping constantly every couple of days they come out with a new measure or take off a measure yeah it's like nothing is making sense anymore for instance i live on a road i'm looking out my window right now it's a road on a mountain that close to saint savara with uh you know surrounded by lakes but oh, yet okay. at eight o'clock at night i'm not allowed to go for a walk but there's That's nothing wild. around here you know wait a minute like, so no you live in the now? you live in the north shore now yeah, I just, I just bought a house up in uh, Saint Anne de Lac, uh, a two-minute walk from uh, a lake with, and it's just absolutely beautiful. It looks like a kind of chalet style in the back here. You know what I mean? No, no, no it looks it looks fantastic. Okay, because I thought you I thought you were a South Shore guy. 
<laughs> no, I've been around, man. <laughs> I around. keep bouncing. <laughs> right, I don't know, because I grew up in North Shore. But the thing is, the thing that's funny is that I have like family that has like a, that they like live in their at their cottage now because they're like retired. But uh, they were right, saying right. how where they're, they're at, uh, they're in Lancier, which is between Saint Agathe and Saint Donat, mm-hmm. and there, there's no curfew. But I mean, it's you're in the woods. Like, uh, what does it matter? Like, you, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you go to Saint Agathe to the bar, like I don't know, like there might not be much going on really <laughs> at all. So you might just stay home anyways. But there's, Even there's in the allowed best to, uh, times. Yeah, right. But that's wild. Oh my god. So yeah, uh, even there. So it goes yeah, to yeah. like roughly Saint Sauveur region, like the, the yeah, the, and the, for, and further and further. It, it's wow. oh here. No, no, wait. It, I think I, I I'm wrong. It's up to nine thirty now. <laughs> oh, okay, so like oh, okay, okay, so the city yeah. is roughly eight. Uh, city's eight yeah. and, and it, exactly. Oh, wow. But it was eight here for quite a while too. And even a cop car would roll out in front, going like twenty kilometers an hour on this little lake road with the lights on, reminding everybody that it's curfew time. You know. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. We were kind of fortunate though, didn't we? We didn't have uh, measures that extreme here. Like, yeah, like, you know, we had a pretty salt well, solid. It was as enforced as it could be. But that's the thing. Like, people they got like like uh someone made a, a meme that pretty much explained how Doug Ford's running shit. It's just like he got frustrated that uh, he's blaming like the young people for spreading the virus, but it's like you don't give us paid sick days, so we have to go to work. But if we go to work and we're at a high risk there, then we'll bring it. We'll potentially bring it back to our apartments where we live with five other people because housing is not very affordable here. So yeah. you have to live with like you know six other people. Well, so it's like it, yeah, right? no wonder, dude. You like kind of like you kind of like shut yourself in the foot with this. Like yeah, it's weird, man. It's a wild thing. No, it, it really is. But I mean, Ontario is having a hard time right now, right? With the Ford. <laughs> I have a hard time looking at that guy, man. He makes me laugh every time. But like, not laugh as in, hey, you're a good guy. I'm laughing with your joke. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, a dude, fucking yeah. clown, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, well, he's Rob Ford's brother, right? And, uh, yeah. He kind Wasn't of he pulled... the one that got with the crack pipe there and the dancing all night? Isn't that Rob, Rob Ford? Yeah, he's the one who smoked not, crack. Not and... Doug, that's Rob, right? Yeah, but the whole family, I don't know the exact family history. You could probably look it up online. Like, I don't know exactly, but uh, it was, um, yeah, there's like, it's kind of a sketchy background with weird entrepreneurship. But uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to put it at that because I don't know, because I don't want to speak out of hand and just like start yeah, talking shit about things I don't know much about. But See, uh, that's my job. Yeah, yeah, that's your job. You know, yeah, it's K Man don't know shit. Gabe, uh, he's not, he, it's undisclosed how much shit he knows. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, he kind of pulled like a, he kind of pulled like a page out of Trump's book by like speaking to like small town working class Ontario kind of like I got mm-hmm. your back. We're in this together. Dollar beers. Um, we're just good. And then like he kind of did nothing. And if anything, he just he he got rid of he got rid of our he got rid of uh he got rid of like a budgeting for for nurse for like the nursing departments of hospitals, edu- education, um, the paid sick days. People were fighting for that even during COVID. Like, could you at least give us this? Like, people that were social workers and whatever, yeah. and he just didn't budge. Yeah, it's so weird. I don't. Man, there's such a lack of creativity though in politics. It's stupid because here I am listening to you about. You know, he really did this. I made dollar beers, which is he kind tried. Of crazy. He tried, but it didn't work. Like he was going oh, to try to get the. It, it didn't work. He tried to get like the. You know, he's he trying to get like the working class that after they pave a road for twelve hours in Sault Ste. Marie to go to the beer store and grab dollar beers and go home and be happy and then pay their taxes and that's it and whatever. But he never did it. Like it's like. Uh, I mean, I don't say it's out completely out of Trump's book, but it's very similar in that sense where it's like he kind of made all the small town Ontario believe that he's like this man who's fighting for them where yeah. he's not like he's, he's like he's not that guy at all which is i i, mean, I totally get it <laughs> where i'm talking about the lack of creativity because like if you mm-hmm, really yeah. want that dollar beer to pass this is what he should have done you're saying the nurses need some more cash okay 
dollar beer is on, except you're actually going to pay four dollars for your dollar beer because three of those dollars are going to go straight to the nurses. How sure, many people whatever. would yeah, drink so in many... support of the nurses? Hey, I'm in, man. You know yeah, mean? yeah. <laughs> I mean, go figure, man. I don't know. I mean, the 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 beer thing was like the dollar beer thing was pretty much just a ploy. I don't know what yeah. he was really expecting to do with that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but yeah, it's kind of wild. I remember when he got in. It was uh, I remember when he got in, like uh, like my ex girlfriend was crying. Oh, really? At that point, eh? Holy shit. Well, a lot of people were really like, oh, no, because he, like, just because he, it wasn't the type of government that you'd hope that, like, a big province, a big progressive province, like, you know, like, like Ontario. Well, he's definitely not serving the intellectuals, right? That guy, no, he's not. No, well, at this juncture, <laughs> I don't think anyone really is. The only people that, the only guy who, like, I, I feel like intellectuals or progressives or whatever might, like, lean more towards would be, like, Jagmeet Singh, who's NDP. Right. And yeah. uh, which is which is great. I mean, I I, I like I, I actually voted for him last time. Um, he had yeah. a thing about he had a thing about like if you make under like twenty five k a year, it's like dental, like yeah, like dental plans for like families under certain like mm. tax brackets, which I thought was really interesting. I was like, okay, you know, why not? I mean, they, time, basically saying everybody deserves services, right? On no Some matter where they live. Some kind of socialist esque yeah. kind of attributes to make everyone. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm into that. Uh, he obviously didn't win, but like, which is unfortunate, <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah man. I don't know. it's funny, Gabe. During the, I, I did a little intro yeah. uh, shoot, which I always do before every podcast. Yeah. And here I was, I, I was thinking about you and all the times we crossed paths. I mean, I was saying that I met you as a bass player and singer in the band Winslow, and we ended up at yeah. sharing stage quite a few times. Yeah. Here you are. Now you're gonna do a bit of this is right and this is wrong. Okay, you're also yeah. booking shows with Bovine Sex Club in Toronto. That is correct. Yeah, you have a press company little monkey yeah, that little you're doing press, press for other artists yeah for yeah I, i'm currently working with uh curse blessings records okay Shout out yeah, to yeah, check blessings. this I'm, I'm gonna go through this list then we're gonna go back to each oh, one, okay, okay? So, so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. so i do i do press for bands yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. okay then you're in curse blessings uh, uh that's a record label in toronto as yeah. well okay yeah. you're a bartender uh i don't bartend anymore i i, I stopped Have bartending you ever brought like, me a drink yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I mean, I book. I You're think I even worked. Yeah. Okay. In that respect, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once a bartender, always a bartender, kind of thing. I guess. <laughs> you do comedy. Yeah, comedy. That shows. I do. Yeah, yeah. You're a bass player, like I said. You're a singer. You're yeah. doing scratch turntablism. Now you're in yeah. the film industry. The yeah. hell, man! I can't even keep up with what you're up to these days, dude. I can't even keep up with myself. It's uh, it's taxing. Um, I don't <laughs> Is know. Is there I anything mean... I left out of there? No, no, no. For now, I'm gonna say I'm gonna be modest and say no. Um, I did my homework, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, and you definitely did. Yeah, I mean, the, okay, like the film industry thing. It was just like uh, a friend of mine who works in film. Uh, she brought it up. She's like, because like I, I often would like just talk and like uh, and like we just discuss life and whatever and bring up how I don't ever see, I don't know when like the light and the tunnel will be for like live music and just performance art and whatever. Um, and then they brought up to like, hey, if you're, you know, if you need a job, like film industry just restarted again and it's kind of booming. There's like such a backlog of blah, blah. You probably get hired right away, which I did. And understanding the job, it's like, okay, the job is not a super difficult one. It's just the hours are long, but it gives me time to keep on top of these other things, right? Right. Uh, like, uh, like Curse Blessings and just other bands that I work with and, uh, and you know, potentially with, Bo you know, with Bovine. And um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I just uh, I guess I'm like a jack jack of all trades, I guess I don't know, or like a or like a, a, a like a odd like a I just have like a 
lot of jobs. I don't know. Well, I don't know I'm, what I'm not surprised though, because when I met you and I remember uh, being in the van and talking with my boys about this, um, I, I, you're, you're a very go-getter type guy. Like uh, I remember, for instance, you know, getting random phone calls. Hey, I heard you got this show going on. Can I get somebody on, on the gig or can I get on the gig? You know, all these kind of things. And right away, as I met you, I saw that you're somebody that, you know, a mover and a shaker, you know, you don't let it yeah. stand in the way and you go get it. And people like you, are usually the type of people that end up doing all these amazing things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I definitely I definitely am. I mean, one thing that I've realized just being in in, in like at least especially starting in the in the Montreal punk scene, um, as as a, as a musician, it's like uh yeah, definitely nothing's ever given to you. You might get the odd chance that like someone might give you a chance or a shot and you get like a cool opening spot on some bigger bill or whatever, but for the most mm-hmm. part, you gotta just like the whole, the whole fucking scene, everything what we do from like whatever random basement show to like Puza Fest, it all kind of starts with like a kind of DIY ethos, right? I think yeah. everyone like yourself and everyone like has that kind of uh, mentality. It's just like when Winslow threw in the towel, I, I kind of felt weird because I was like, I still have this energy and this passion for the, this Canadian music scene or industry or, mar- you know, I would say scene uh, as much as it is an industry. It was still very much a scene. And I was like, man, I don't know. I can't just like not, I can't just like, not being abandoned do nothing like to me it's bizarre it's bonkers so yeah just kind of slowly want to find a way when i moved here to like the goal was to get better at stand-up and work in the music industry so i just started Success. hitting up. yeah you know, exa- <laughs> exactly knock on wood but yeah dude exactly um started doing like as much stand-up as i could because i worked at a restaurant at the time so whatever nights i had off i'd be on stage and then i started to work with uh with ben rispin at uh, burley calling like the the music festival in Burlington. And he kind of, he told me later on that he's like, I kind of just made up a position for you. I didn't actually need your help, but he's like, I liked your <laughs> attitude. And he's like, you, you had, a, you're at a really like, you know, uh, a, a grind, like a grind. Ben, Ben's a cool guy. I want to have him on the show actually. Oh dude, right? Ben's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ben's awesome. Yeah. And you should. Yeah. Have yeah, you heard absolutely. his new band? Well, have you heard the rules? Oh, rules. Oh, the- rules is awesome. Rules is great. Dude. Rules yeah. is sick. Yeah, oh, him yeah. and Chuck Coles, right? And uh, him, a couple Chuck, other dudes there. Yeah, him, Chuck, uh, Adam from uh, Walk Off the Earth in St. Alvia, and uh, Alex from Penske File, dude. It's a good... Oh, it's shit, a good, okay, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's a good unit. They're fucking tight, and the music's like, the music's is wild. It's cool. It's like the Bronx yeah. mixed with, like, I don't know much. And, and he also that. has one of the fucking coolest podcasts as well, yeah, right? Into the Weeds is w- wicked. Yeah, yeah. But see, okay, and then guys like Ben, okay, guys like Ben, Rispin, uh, Hugo Mudi, like, yep. yo, a lot of these cats, they didn't go to... school. Maybe I don't know, but they didn't go to Trebis for business music management. They didn't go to think, you know what I mean? Like Hugo went to you camp for art, like for visual art or studio really art are. or whatever. Yeah, and Ben, I don't know what Ben did, but they're just hustlers, <laughs> they're just grinders, and like well, that's it, it, you know, and that that kind of because being in Winslow, super DIY, we booked all our tours. We kind of had someone who's going to try to manage us. They fucking flopped and screwed us over. Well, screwed. They just screwed us over a little bit of money, but yeah, we just did everything. Uh, like we just, if we want to make it happen. You had to do it very much. Had to do it yourself. And how long were you guys together? Because I mean, you, seven you guys were legit. Like, yeah, yeah you, you guys were playing around a lot. Yeah, we toured and, a lot. And you, and you made records, and yeah, we had uh, two full lengths and two EPs, and cool. uh, and some like random little B side stuff on like Bandcamp or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's like, yeah, I kind of just got. Yeah, I just kind of end up falling into all these things fell into place. I want to help out bands because like doing press, I used to do press for Winslow too. And I, I yeah. got us like on Music Plus, I got us on Shom and like a lot of cool stuff and like Maximum Rock and Roll and this and that. So I was super excited. So I was like, okay, I want to start helping out my friends. So I'll charge my friends. 
like almost nothing just to help them just like, Oh, I have a new song out. Okay. Let's try to get a feature, blah, blah. And then build the context to what it is now where it's like, you know, it's working out really well and I can make a, you know, I, I do make, I don't make a, a full living off of it, but I do make, I do make a decent. It's a piece of the pie. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is that it's a, the, the schedule and itinerary of doing that at the capacity I do is pretty malleable. So it's like, I could have a job in film where it's a 12 hour shift. I need to do things for three hours, but the, you know, the nine other hours I could kind of just chill and not do much. I'll just write emails and messages all day and, and just keep on top of that shit. So it's like, I'm never, I'm trying to always kind of like be like either ahead of myself or just keep on top of my shit and um, stuff like scratch DJing. I've been thinking about that for years and I just like two summers ago, I said, fuck it. Why not? I, I found one um, at Moog audio for a hundred, yeah. uh, 200 bucks. It's a, a portable scratch, a new Mark portable scratch turntable. And I love it. It's the coolest thing. And okay, it's better well, with seven this, what, you're, you're saying scratch turntable. Like I, I don't have, know that much about turntables, but I got I got this guy here. Can can you see that? Wait, uh, that's a new market. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a nice. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a nice one. Yeah, a lot of DJs use that, that similar deck. Uh, just mine's yeah. like built in. You know how like a Crosley, how, like the Crosley built it, like the Crosley portable turntables, the ones like with the lid. And uh, it's like the built-in I got speaker. no idea. Usually right then I say, hey, bartender, and let the person keep talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like, it's, it's, it comes with a lid whenever's a built-in speaker, but you could plug it into a PA or whatever. Okay, but yeah. uh, it play, it has the special needle so you can scratch and, and it kind of acts like a fader. And it's so much fun. Like I live hip, I've got, I've really gotten to hip hop the last couple of years. So I've always yeah. kind of fantasized about like scratch, like being a you know, turntableist or whatever. Yeah. It's really fun. And just like, yeah, trying to be creative with that shit too. And yeah, I guess I have too much energy and I, I, I desire too much attention sometimes maybe i don't know like i'm on stage playing bait whatever it is like it's like some people can't relax like i don't feel well if i'm not moving forward on something i don't understand people that can relax actually tell you the juice yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) if if i'm relaxed dude i feel you if i'm relaxing it's because literally everything i need to do on my to-do list or my itinerary or whatever is completed yeah that's only what that's the only reason why i'm lying down and watching lethal weapon and smoking a joint (laughs) and eating the the tv series lethal weapon no, the movies. Uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> I know. I have a TV series. It was actually, it surprised me. It was great. Yeah, it's actually really good. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll check that yeah. out. Uh, it's good to know. Yeah, Damon Wayans Jr. is in that. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's a uh, life of a hustler. I mean, like yourself and a lot of other people that we interact with in the music scene, uh, everyone, like there's a lot of people that have like, double like like uh one of the okay in bike thieves one of the bands that's on stomp that's put a yep. record on stomp last year uh the drummer like is a screen printer and he makes band merch i mean the guys from the snips like ricky and those guys they they mm-hmm. have press time like there's a, so many cats that kind of have like uh you know um their hands in different pots i guess but isn't it fun because like people that yeah. do have their hands in all these pots you know the movers and the shakers but their friends tend to as well right so you get together you're talking to your buddy he's you know screen printing another one's recording this yeah, guy's yeah. working it's oh, fun yeah, yeah. it's like its own scene behind the scene you know oh dude totally oh dude 100 and it's oh it's, it's man it's funny <laughs> it's funny you bring that up a buddy of mine came over last night uh he works at uh drive studios and yeah, yeah. um we were just chatting and I brought up an idea about uh, it's like a project and I don't want to get into it uh, right now. But anyway, the point is, is that like we were chatting because he's a sound tech. Uh, he's a sound tech. Right. Uh, he, he does clubs uh, predominantly, but he also engineers stuff uh, at Drive and uh, he's been doing that for years and he's very good and he's very talented. And you're right. Like it's like it's like there's the things that people know that's like announced and like publicized and promoted on in social media and et cetera. And then there's the behind where it's like, you know, the, the boy, like, you know, the, the buds, not the boys, like the buds, because there's obviously women who do stuff, but, you know, the buds. 
talking about whatever and yeah it is well, cool. it's it. almost like another and what i mean by the scene though community. check this like if you're in montreal yeah. there's certain terraces where everything happens like back in the day it was at the miami on the terrace if you're doing an interview or you're meeting somebody that's you know to do whatever project i would always meet them on the terrace there if i'm in ottawa i'm on the terrace of, of the dom you know yeah, i'll do my yeah, meetings yeah. there in toronto maybe at the bovine you know yeah or wherever but that's what i love it's because like you know in this industry it's very social as well it's like oh let's talk about this project or i'm gonna need this or would you be interested i don't know let's get together over beer and talk about it you know i oh, love totally, that dude. oh yeah 100 oh yeah it's um yeah it's uh it, it's um it the level uh, of uh informal like the, yeah. the like the <laughs> the informal level of it uh sometimes is is really low uh like it's really high in terms of like it's just like you could be like literally smoking a you could like smoke a joint in the alley um like before you go to work and before your friend hops on the streetcar or on the metro or whatever and just that interaction will be like okay so tomorrow we're gonna meet up to the studio we're gonna lay down the drums and you could borrow the shells there but you know you know what i mean yeah i, I get what you're saying it's it's sick it's it's a. Uh, yeah, it's a fun thing. It's just a, it's just unfortunate that like we can't really meet at the places like that anymore. Cause uh, yeah, now it's like I, Zoom. I, like I, like a little bit later today, maybe like an hour or two, I have like a like a Zoom, not a Zoom. I guess like a FaceTime call with a. Now mind you, this is a, a bud in Montreal, so I can't even physically meet him if I could have. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I hear you, man. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting way the 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 industry works like that. It's fun. Yeah. So you've been playing music with uh, Winslow for like seven years, guys. That you know decide to call it a day and all this yeah. stuff. But you're still playing music, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, I okay. There was um, when I moved to Toronto, I briefly joined a grindcore band. Which, <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was awesome because it was uh, it was like completely. I jammed once with them, and all I know is that F minor, okay, F minor, and I detuned the drop D, and that was it. So I just it was so chaotic and kind of like. Uh, haphazardly put together but the thing is that's kind of what like that's what i discovered later on and also like i worked other grindcore and do metal shows and whatever is that there is a the charm about these genres is that it's not very good it's just about like the expression kind of like how art is i guess yeah, like, how, like sure. some abstract art is which is kind of funny um and if it, you know if people like people do like it i i'm uh, i'm okay with it i don't i don't love it but i don't uh, you know mm-hmm. disdain for it but i played in a grindcore band for a bit and then it was, and then, but like I played two shows with them, Ottawa, Quebec City, and that was about it. And then uh, called Pretty Mouth, they're a good band, uh, wicked, like the weirdest, gnarliest band. But they also called it quits like soon after. I didn't play for a while. I would jam here and there if someone asked, but I didn't play for mm-hmm. a while. Then I joined, uh, then I joined uh, uh, this band called uh, Back of the Class uh, with uh, my buds, and uh, they were in a band called Spoiler before. Now, this is the thing uh, <laughs> I booked Spoiler for a show and everything was fine but the singer was being a prick and he wanted to like he, we almost got into a scrap it was it was so annoying and uh i felt bad because the rest of the bandmates were the, the coolest dudes and yeah. i felt really bad because in my head i'm like i hate i don't like this band this band i'm never gonna book them again and it's too bad on their, on their part because of their singer because i often need other skate punk or like fast melodic punk bands to play shows but i'm not gonna book you because you're you know your singer's a cocksucker so like i'm sorry yeah. it's not you know, that's not going to happen. Uh, and then later on, they end up hitting me up like, yeah, he's out of the band. We, that band's done. And we want to start a new <laughs> thing. We, we heard you play bass. And then we end up jamming. And I was like, love at first sight kind of thing. And we did that for a while. But we ended up, I don't even say we even threw in the towel. Just like my drum, like the drummer, my friend uh, Dave has his two kids. Uh, one's like 10. Another, the other child is like six, maybe. So it's mm-hmm. like they lived in North York, which is like the equivalent of living like, I don't know, like 
Petit Patrie, maybe, or like right, right. Anjou or whatever. Like you're still in the city. You don't have like a backyard or like a pool. Maybe I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he ended up moving back to Ottawa because that's where he's from originally. And he has property. You know, he has. He's a lot more comfortable. He's property there. He does like he, does, he could like live well like we live better and you know rock and roll life. life just wasn't his priority right <laughs> well, he has no that's it if you have kids yeah. and you know and i told we were like when he broke broke the news to us we were both me and my other dude were like dude no problem we understand we're not gonna get mad at you we played yeah. we played we played puza and then we played maybe like seven local shows maybe you know what i mean like it wasn't a, it was serious in a sense like we had fun playing the songs together we wanted to make them sound good but it wasn't like we we're gonna go tour do anything wild <laughs> But, I tend to hear uh, messages really funny. The message I hear out of this is a lot of bands would still be together if they use condoms. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or uh, yeah, if they use. No, but he uh, he had he had kids even before you would uh, yeah. join the band. But uh, and yeah, and and I we wrote okay because there were songs that we uh, that the boys wrote prior to me joining, which are great songs, and we recorded those ones. But there's three new ones that we did all together, like us three that kind of spawned from some ideas I had, like some basics I had, but because I know my chords, I was able to, okay, let's try this. So we get stoned and just like work on songs. And the songs were really cool, but it was we, the the last one where I was like, oh, this could be a wicked three song EP was like a week before COVID started, like, like right. early March yeah, or something like that. So we're like, and then after that he moved. And so we have like three songs, like, we have like recordings on our phones. We have three songs yeah. that we could probably technically maybe like demo and record, but I don't know if of we're going to do it or not. I would like to, cause they're, they're cool songs, man. Mm -hmm. For me being a bass player, um, there's like guitar players. I mean, you know what it is. You could, you could, you could pretty much just do a song, just guitar. And it sounds, it makes the most sense and the chords and the melodies with bass. It's a little bit harder, but if I could ignite the flame that kind of gets everyone going, like, okay, I'll do this and I'll play this with the, this, this octave while you're doing the thing. And then it's like, it, it just, uh, it, it gets me excited. It reminds me of the Winslow. It reminds me of being Winslow. That's what, <laughs> Love straight, it. Like straight up. That's what made me so excited about that. Is that like, it felt like, cause I, fuck, I started Winslow. I was 17. Wow. Yeah. I was 17, 17 going on 18. Um, I'm 33. So it was like, a, it was, a, it was a, like, a, it was a long time ago. And like, that energy of going to 1180 St. Antoine Street to room whatever we had. We, we had a lot there. of fun in that building. Dude, that building was <laughs> sick, man. So it's like we were all over on different floors. So it's like just going into there, it's like you're it's loud, you're with your friends, you're drinking beers, and you're you're creating these songs that either could be complete garbage and you'll get forget them in two weeks, or they're gonna be the song you're gonna play every night for the next seven, you know, six years, whatever, right? Isn't and that weird that how that happens? <laughs> you accidentally write a song and you end up playing it for <laughs> six 10 20 years after yeah you know? no absolutely <laughs> yeah man it's the thing like that's a special thing so i start to i i personally start to feel that energy and i even told the guys one night i was almost like i was like feeling very emotional like guys like i haven't felt this good uh in a creative sense because like stand-up is obviously a very uh can be a very it's a demanding uh, it's a demanding outlet in a sense like it's not physical by any means but in order to get better you can't just like practice a joke over and over again the way you practice a song or a bass lick or guitar lick over and over again you mm -hmm. just have to go to do one open mic and smart the thing is to record it or take notes after you're done like what did i do wrong okay well i could hit up two other mics i'm gonna go try to work it so it's it's demanding because it's just like physically you gotta place yourself in different spots geographically to do it over and over again whereas like drummers could learn their roles and their paradiddles for three hours in the same yeah. place not at the move right so uh, so like I had that going on with stand up where I was being creative in that respect, which is a lot of fun. Well, it's a fucking how did, how did you get into stand up? Was. Like that's a whole different thing. Like that's something I haven't even been to a lot of comedy shows to tell you the truth. I think yeah. I've been to a comedy club once in my life, 
And I was talking to my buddies. I said, we should all do mushrooms one night. And not one of us has ever done stand up, but everybody sign up. Don't prepare whatsoever. Do an open mic and try yeah, to do yeah. And just, just go. Like I'm into fucking having fun in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not? But you know, like, how, how did you get into it? Or it was open mics and you just, or you knew yeah. people. And well, okay. So this is, this is how it started. No, initially, uh, I had a friend who was always, she always, like, we used to work at the YMCA together and she used to tell me, she's like, Gabe, you're really funny. She's like, you should do, you should do improv or sketch. So at first it was improv. I really liked the idea of improv. Now I went to Vanier for theater and communication. So we had a lot of improv like workshops and whatever. And I really enjoyed it. I really did like it. And there was the Sunday night improv show at Teltus St. Catherine every Sunday uh, for a while. So one year, that same friend, I saw her at a New Year's Eve party. And she's like, Gabe, I dare you this year. Honestly, just try it. I dare you for your New Year's resolution. Try, try stand up or try improv. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll do it. So I sign up in Montreal, uh, the Sunday night improv and you do the class before the show. And now if the teacher likes you and you do decently in the class, she'll put you in the show. So she put me in the show and I had a ton of fun. It was so much fun. Right yeah, I felt a rush. It was really cool. Um, Cause I'm not scared of being in front of people necessarily. Like there's a little bit of anxiety about it, but I'm not terrified of embrace but, uh, the anxiety. Right. Exactly. Yeah. To me, it's like, okay, I, I hate the anxiety, but let's go like fucking bring on the anxiety. You know what I mean? Like yeah. let's do this. And then, uh, the second time I did it, I got selected again and I did the show, but it was like a survivor series and I made it to the top four. Now at the end of the shows, what they used to do is that after everyone left Hell to Catherine, they would have all the, the like all the sketch uh, comics and whatever, the, the improv comics, uh, like sit in the room and we'll take notes. We give each other notes. And the teacher was like grilling me, not in a negative way, but she was like, okay, Gabe, you got a yes and more. You got to give more of this. You got to do all these improv things, which is fair, super fair. I'm very green at this, like super green at that, especially. But one of the guys, one of the players is also a comic. And he's like, hey, Gabe, I like some of your one-liners. Like, would you want to do an open mic? And I was like, well, I've been writing jokes on my Blackberry for like a year, hoping <laughs> maybe like one day I'm going to give it a shot. And then I did. And I only invited two of my friends. Um, I invited Andrea Silver from, uh, Andy Silver from Dig It Up, formerly of Dig, well, yeah, of Dig It Up, uh, mm -hmm. and Explode and Rebuild. And I played in a, a ska band with them when I was in high school called Summer George. Uh, Andy's a good pal of mine. Uh, uh, love them to death and uh, great sense of humor. So I asked them and I asked my buddy, John Anthony, who I grew up with since like childhood, um, just because they have good sense of humor. And I, and I felt like they would be honest and not give me pity friend laughs. Yeah, yeah. And it was good. A great response. And then the second show was when I was like, oh, and then a second show, I didn't necessarily bomb, but then I started to like feel not confident. But I was like, how do I get the feeling from the first? Like, how do I, what did I do? And then, but I didn't take it serious. I was still in the band at the time. I was still, I was still completely 100% focusing on Windblow. So I didn't take it serious for at least two years. And then, okay, yeah. then like 2013, that's like, we kind of knew that like, you know, that summer of 2013, okay, January 2013. I knew like by July that Windsor's are going to be done. Like just that's what the plan is. And uh, you know, I kind of don't want to live in Montreal anymore. I want to see what's up. So that's when I started that by then I understood that in order to get better at stand up, you got to do open mics. And, and before you do open mics, you got to, when you have ideas, write them down. And then when you have time to, you know, uh, you know, beef up the ideas and make them into stories or anecdotes or whatever. And, uh, and then it's, yeah, I just started applying that. And then it slowly, it kind of just transferred like the creative energy. Do you but, tour as a comedian or, or is it like local or like, I don't know much about that scene, like right, how, right, how right. it works, you know? Yeah, you could definitely tour for sure. I see this is the thing. I don't, uh, I, okay. I toured once with Penske file yeah, and dead broke. We went to fest. I did the comedy show face, a comedy showcase at fest in Florida. 
and uh, and they played the festival as well, right? So I toured down. I would open up the shows. It was so much fun. <laughs> and dude, David Cross did that. Kyle Kinane did that. Uh, um, Hannibal Burst opened up for Nas and Lauren Hill. Like, there's a handful of comics who've done that where they'll perform or open up for different bands or artists, right? I think that's super rad. So performing with Penske File, touring like that was amazing. And then the year after, I went back to Fest again. But I just went to because I got to meet people. You know what it is, right? DIY yeah. touring, regardless, you play shows. And it's like, hey, if you come back next year, let me know. We'll put on another show for you as a comic. And then we'll get you another spot in Southern Spade. And you can stay at my house and I'll get you some weed. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Sweet. How, how far is Tallahassee from Gainesville? An hour and a half? $7 megabus? Let's fucking go. Yeah. So it's like a little Florida tour or whatever. And now most of my, most of my, all my immediate family live in the US. So when I go visit my folks in like, in, they were living in Texas at the time. Uh, when I go to Texas and they understood like that, I, I do stand up and I like it and I want to, you know, get, do more shows. So like, and it's only, I'm 33. They're in their early sixties. Like, it's not like I'm going to be by their side every day, like all the time. So it's like, they would often like bring me to shows and they'll go do whatever. And then I'll just do spots and kind of build stuff from there to like, where the last time I went to Texas, like I did uh, a comedy festival in Austin and then, oh, cool. um, which was awesome. Great show. It was a really cool show. That one I was really happy about. Felt really, really nice. And uh, made a bunch of contacts there, which is awesome. Like a really good, a lot of cool cats. And then my mom lives in Dallas. So I we went back to Dallas and then I had a, couple, a handful of shows lined up afterwards. Just like, I'll, yeah. I'll kind of do that whenever I'm in different cities. Like whenever I go back to Montreal, dude, when I was in Montreal in the summer, I went to Montreal for about a week. Um, I, I did a few outdoor shows. Did you do comedy at that Pusa? Yeah, Pusa, yeah. Well, like, that's right. Yeah. 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 And and then my main focus yearly, is like my anchor for like my projects is like Pusa and me. And then, uh, then just like fest in, in the fall. So to like, that was like my two comedy periods. So it's like, I work hard in the winter to get good material and just be super tight and like polished for May and then work on shit in the summer, get some more new shit, maybe an extra new five, six minutes and add that to the already polished stuff. So that the fall comes down and like, you know, I'm doing my thing. And uh, yeah, 2019 was, 2019 was a good year for me. 2018 and 2019 were good years for me for standup. Like I was kind of coming into my own. I was getting good credits, doing some cool shit. Got to perform in New York. Uh, I got to perform at a club in New York on a Saturday night and got paid 10 bucks American. And it what's was your a, stage name? Uh, just Gabe Corey. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Just, I don't know if, it, you know, it seems to me a lot of comedians seem to play with their names a lot. That's why I ask yeah, questions. I some, some cats do because their names are like, their names have like a ton of consonants and there's too many syllables and blah, blah, blah. Like for me, it's like five letters. So it's kind of easy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I get what you're saying. No, I don't have a, no stage name. Just go by my, go by my name. Yeah. And, and, is, uh, the, yeah. is the feeling comparable? Like, uh, you know, if you're doing a stand-up uh, show versus a rock and roll show and you get off stage and you're done your thing, is it the same feeling or is it yeah, a different yeah. feeling? Okay, put it this way. Uh, cause I, okay. The last time you guys played bovine, cause like for my context of, to make this as relatable for, for, for like came in the 45s. Yeah. Uh, last time you guys played bovine, that was a great show. There was a ton of people, everyone's dancing. So when people are dancing to your songs and if they might even know the lyrics, cause I'm sure there were, I can't remember exactly yeah. how I'm at. I just remember a ton of people skanking, which is what I want. <laughs> it's like, it's a skank show. Who gives a fuck that it's 2021. It's not 1997. It's not real big fish. It's a local Canadian ska and people are fucking losing their shit, which is what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so that energy is, because I know what it feels like, that energy is the same. Like when you go on stage and you kill or just everything lands, everyone laughs at the right spots. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to sneak in some crowd work that works as well, then it's like you're on top, you're a man, woman, uh, non-binary, whoever you are as a human being, it's the, it's this, it's it's a very similar feeling. It's a, it's a feeling like like someone, I don't think real estate agents get that feeling. 
<laughs> right? Or like, I don't I think see, people I that work they, in I finance. They have pretty wild ass parties, eh? In their whole real estate agent. Oh, thing, I'm you sure know? they do. I'm sure they fucking. Wa- I'm sure they wall <laughs> out for sure. <laughs> no, it's not. Like it's it's really. But yeah, so the feeling when you crush on stage is very very similar to like a good set where you get that physical and even verbal response of people like um people like you know singing the lyrics back to your face like yeah. when it first happened to us like when i first went to set it was obviously with winslow and we we're thinking fuck somewhere in alberta maybe or saskatchewan there's kids like i couldn't believe that like you have no link to me aside from the songs that me and my friends wrote and you're singing them back to us like that was wild and then like uh, like for example like this uh, comedy festival in austin uh, I worked on that set for like months, at least exactly that set, at least two, three months, just to make sure that it's going to be flawlessly tight where I could throw mm-hmm. in crowd work, which I did do, which I'm so glad it worked out because uh, Austin's a very progressive city. People just think Texas right away, super red and conservative. Austin's like Montreal in the desert, to be honest. It's like, or like <laughs> that's Montreal a, that's dry. Cool way to say it. It's really, really cool, man. It's a, it's a wicked city. It's unfortunate that it's getting more expensive now just because tech is moving in there. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool spot. And like, yeah. So the feeling, the feeling I had after that was the coolest because I had a guy come up to me afterwards and uh, I have a stupid joke about Metallica. It doesn't even make any sense, but um I have a joke about Metallica and the guy's like, dude, I love Metallica. And he's like, I don't ever think often that, you know, you got to hear the fucking joke, man. (laughs) Okay. The joke. Okay. I'll tell you the joke. I do these jokes. It's so stupid. I do these jokes where I just take like, like lyrics from a song and just work them into like scenarios. Like um, this is my impression of Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 trying to look for his kids at the amusement park. You know, where are you? You know, like stuff, Stuff like that. And then the Metallica one's like, uh, this is my impression of James Hetfield and Metallica trying to discipline his children because all his kids are just being completely uh, disobedient and they're being a bunch of rascals. Hey, hey, hey. Like, that's <laughs> perfect. So like, that's it's funny that's what the that joke is. And, and the, the guy loved it. And those... check, check this out because it's directly yeah. related to the whole James Hetfield yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, one of the projects I want to do, you know, because I obviously you know need more projects on my plate yeah. but i want popsicle stick puppet style style thing all right and i want them all celebrity styles and everybody has their own cliche but it's kind of south parky in that they all live in one celebrity town yeah. right you know yeah. so you have a uh, uh, James Hetfield, he's vacuuming his uh, his living room. He's like, yeah, yeah, I've got to clean this up, you know? And then it's like, you know, uh, knocking on the front door, the milkman is Michael Jackson. He's like, yeah, you know, and all this. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. really want to do this whole popsicle thing. Yeah, I just want to play with popsicle sticks at the end of the day. Hey, Gabe, yeah. check it out. We're out of time pretty yeah, much, okay? Because no, I can only record an hour at a time, but I definitely want to have you back on because I love seeing your beautiful face. But oh, before we end... Back at you, dude. Yeah, yeah, what's up? Oh, before we end, at yeah. the end of every episode, I've been asking people to name me three uh, albums that they think everybody should listen because I'm into sharing music and all this. But I'm going to switch it up today. Okay. For you, mm-hmm. because you're bringing in the whole comedy angle. Uh-huh. What are three comedians everybody should check out tonight while they're on a hot date on this Friday night? Okay, uh, three comics where I should check out. Three people that I can't stop listening to are just, they crack me up. Jessica, Jessica Kirsten, she's based out of New York. Um, she's like a 50-year-old lesbian, a Jewish lesbian from New York. She is, she, she does impressions. Her Instagram, I think it's Jessie Kirsten. If you just you can Google it or whatever. Her Instagram is hilarious. Her 
whatever stand-up clip she has on YouTube or on Instagram are super funny. I don't know if she has specials or not, but she just produced this really cool. Fuck, this is a plug for a special, but she just she just <laughs> uh, she just produced uh, uh, a documentary about uh, women in comedy and like the history of the the industry with women being uh, you know kind of being under men for the longest time. Where now is some of the biggest headliners are women, and uh, Jessica Kirsten uh, produced it and it showcases her, uh, Rachel Feinstein, uh, Nikki Glaser. Uh, Sherry Shepard, like a ton of comics um, who are killing it. But Jessica Curson, right now, she's fucking killer. Her, uh, Chris DeStefano, also another New York comic. He's just so, uh, he's a, he's weird because he reminds me of any other Italian guy you meet, but he's from like New <gasps> oh, York. Oh, I know so that dude. He's fucking hilarious. He does that funny uh, voice. He's a pretty small guy, really tailored dude, right? Oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. I think you might be thinking of Matteo Lane. Oh, actually, I think you're right. But also Matteo Lane is super funny, uh, super <laughs> funny dude. Also Italian. But Chris Stefano is just like he's just like uh, the 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 New York Italian bro that just like wants to be friends with him. I don't know. He's just like a he's, he's good attitude. He's super fucking funny. Him and then my all time favorite right now is Jim Norton. Like right now the main like OG like uh, you know goat of like at least my last two years. You know, there's always like Seinfeld and Mark Maron and, you know, whatever, but like, and Eddie Murphy, but like right now, Jim Norton is like, Jim Norton's my God. So it's Jessica Curson, uh, uh, Chris Stefano, and Jim Norton. And I know uh, what I'm yeah. going to be doing tonight. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're, they're so funny. They're so funny. And, and, and if because everyone's going to be, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Because you're a musician, give me one album that everybody should listen to at least once in their life. At least once in their life. Uh, one album, man. Ah, once in their life, one album. Uh, I, dude, this guy, I hate these questions sometimes. Because especially with music, because I listen to so much fucking music, I don't even know. One yeah, album, man. forever and ever. Oh, you know what? Fucking, because I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it, it's not punk rock or what you might think I might suggest, but uh, Kamasi Washington's The Epic. Oh. He's a sax player from, he's a jazz sax player from uh, L.A., his father was a famous jet, well, famous, like a, was a popular jazz player, but he, he got kind of grows uh, to attention because uh, his band and him, this band led by him was on uh, How to Pimp a Butterfly, the Kendrick Lamar album. So yeah, a lot yeah. of the live band stuff with the horns, that's Kamasi Washington and his band. And then that kind of helped propel them because his album, The Epic, is like three LP album. Like it's so long. It's almost like two hours long. It's pretty <laughs> wild. Awesome. But if you like smoking, if you, if you like smoking weed and don't <laughs> mind jazz, Fucking the epic by Kamasi Washington. Big shout out for sure. Beautiful. What's yeah. coming up for you, man? What, what's next on your plate? Uh, what's next? Well, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, everyone starts getting vaccinated so we can start having shows at Bovine for the fall. Nothing. I'm not committing to anything. Obviously, I am not. But I'm just saying, knocking on wood that everything pans out. Uh, that a uh, bunch of cool releases. Check out Curse Blessings. Curse Blessing Records, uh, they're putting out some great stuff, including Dragged In, where Patty was a guest. Uh, and then uh, they just get, we just got the uh, Seized Up. Hold on. The Seized Up 7-inch. Nice! Uh, they just came in. So if anyone ordered them that might be listening, uh, you're going to get them soon. This is It's super nice. Uh, great album. Uh, great EP. Sorry. Like like literally a six-minute EP. Like <laughs> perfect. So punk rock. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Yes, Chris Blessing do a lot of cool shit. Hopefully when stand-up, when we can do some outdoor stuff, I'd like to resurrect my Punks Can't Laugh show, which is a show that I do at Pooza Fest every May. Uh, but I've been, like, for, for, during the summer, prior to this, these other lockdowns, I did a few of them outdoors in Hamilton at Absinthe and a few here at some DIY spots. So I'm going to be resurrecting, hopefully, Punks Can't Laugh. And uh, I don't know, just follow me on Instagram, at JerseyFresh05. And also, I have a podcast called Bow Your Eyes, Close Your Head podcast about uh artists um who grew up in the church or in strict religious households so it's on spotify it's on all the platforms that you can listen to a podcast called bow your eyes close your head podcast um 
have some cool guests like Andrew Nufa from Comeback Kid and uh, uh, my buddy Gulet Abdi from uh, CBC's Tall Boys to Men. So a lot of cool cats and a lot of good musicians and artists. So uh, check that out. Buy your eyes, close your head and uh, add me on Instagram, uh, JerseyFresh05. Right on, my brother. Hey, yeah. listen, I can't wait to get up there and see you, man. I heard a rumor, you know, late October, early November, if everything pans out, we'll be driving around this country a whole bunch there. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully. Knock on hopefully. wood again. You know? Knock on wood, that might be a little bit earlier, but yeah, we'll definitely, yeah, we're definitely going to end up keeping in touch about that because uh, I've heard little birds uh, say the same thing. So yeah, we'll definitely. Yeah, I hear you, brother. I yeah, hear we'll you. Keep I in love touch you. About that. I'll catch up to you real soon, man. Sounds good, man. Love you too, K. Take care, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Brett. Later, dude. Peace. Peace.